You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Trister Neer Yeager, Chief Strategy Officer at Rock, Paper, Scissors, the PR firm that specializes in music innovation and music technology. I'm excited to share with you one of the hottest sessions from the 2023 Music Tectonics Conference, Music Meets AI, Navigating a Positive Future. If you were at the conference, enjoy this fun refresher on the conversations we had there. And if you weren't with us in Santa Monica, you will really love this episode. Come on, you should plan to join us next year. Check out other recent episodes for more conference takeaways. Whether you're excited by artificial intelligence or wary about its implications, you can't deny it's one of the hot topics of 2023. In this episode, you'll hear from Con Razzo at Tune Global, Marina Goose at Endel, Angela Abbott at Tidal, and the session is moderated by Ali Garfinkel. It's a fascinating conversation, and I hope you enjoy Music Meets AI. Hello, my name is Ali Garfinkel. I am the senior tech reporter at Yahoo Finance, and I think we're going to be talking about AI today. I'm not sure. No one's been talking about it at all. Um, but I'm very lucky because the folks here with me on this panel are experts. So who would like to introduce themselves first? Khan, you're looking particularly serene. If you could give sure. us your name and a little bit about the co your company. Great. Um, hi all. Uh, Con Razo. I'm the CEO of Tune Global. We are a music technology platform, so we have 130 million tracks and provide them to different people in the industry, whether they're building streaming services or need music for gaming or um, for Web3 executions or whatever that might be. Um, and uh, I think like all things, AI is just intersecting in most elements about music, so it's really high in our radar. Marina? Yeah, nice to meet you. Uh, yeah, my name's Marina. Um, super happy to be here. It's really nice, this venue. Best venue I've been to for these kinds of conferences, I think, in a while. Um, yeah, I'm Chief Commercial Officer at Endel, and we create functional music, uh, wellness music. So music for sleep, relaxation, meditation, and we use AI to do that. And mostly we partner um, and collaborate with artists and labels where we create functional versions of the music that they give us. So it's all collaborative. We get content from an artist on a label. We, use, we apply scientific principles, we use our technology to do that, and then we create a version of the original album that's either made for sleep or focus or relaxation. So we help artists move into this functional music space that they're typically not really a part of. And yeah, so that's where our AI piece comes in. It's not like scraping all the sleep content in the world. It's um, something we have developed with like our team of in-house composers and a bunch of scientists and um, yeah, very collaboratively. Cool. I'm Angela Abbott. I am in business affairs and music licensing at Tidal. We're a global digital streaming platform, so probably not much more I need to say about, about that, except for um, we really pride ourselves in being, you know, artists first and really, um, you know, thinking about ways that we can support the creative community. So before we go any further, uh, we were sitting backstage and we realized we had a question for you all. Um, who here identifies as an artist? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. Who here is a rights holder? 
Okay. And then who here identifies as a tech company person? Okay. What do you think? Was that what you were expecting? Very mixed. Nice split. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a really great. nice yeah. split. We, we, we actually weren't sure. And part of the reason we wanted to ask is we want to make sure we gear this conversation towards who's here. Because, you know, we were talking backstage and this is a minefield. So I want to kind of start definitionally. What does it mean for music to meet AI, and how is that happening right now, today? Angela? Okay, I, I, I actually took some notes because <laughs> it is a minefield, and you know it's an ever-evolving topic, so I think it's important to um, first start by saying, even though I work at Tidal, I have my own sort of music industry opinions, uh, so I'm not, probably not gonna get deep in the weeds on like title AI policies or anything like Very that. Very lawyerly. So. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. Um, but I've seen it, you know, in a lot of different ways. Obviously music creation, I kind of categorized. Um, so production, functional music, lyrics, artwork, in r even. Um, live music, which I don't think it's talked about enough, but think about like set design, um, backdrops, graphics. Um, platforms, obviously, personalization, recommendations within platforms, within hardware. Um, and another one that I don't think it's talked about enough is operationalization. So when we think about... What does that mean? Like data trends, music rights, metadata, matching, like the things that we actually need to do operationally so that, you know, we can pay, report, track, you know, these things. So whether it's like content ID matching, figuring out if the music did come from an AI-generated source, if it has an original copyright, you know, attached to it, um, all the way through to, um, you know, payments, reporting, that sort of thing. So it's extensive, yeah. one could say. <laughs> what about you, Marina, from your vantage point? So one thing to add maybe is stems, because uh, that's something we deal with a lot. Like we work, we need the label to give us stems. I don't come from this world, I come from tech, so I don't, I didn't think this would be a problem to get stamps. It was a massive problem. Like every one of you who's at a label knows that. Like especially for the uh, well, for the older like older jazz classic stuff like that. Obviously, that's that's difficult anyway. But even for things that've been recorded recently, it's like on some someone's hard drive in some basement, and they can never get me stamps for some reason. So that's one of the things that has really changed. Also with AI, is you, you, there are all these t tools that are able to separate stamps and. Yeah, that also opens a ton of opportunity to, to work with um, this music, reimagine it, not just for things like Endel, but there are so many application cases that you need stems for, so that's something that I work with daily, for example. What about from your end, Khan? Yeah, I think similar to Angela. I mean, a lot of our clients would be creating their own services, um, you know, uh, perhaps at a different scale to title, but trying to engage with uh, users. So we're really thinking about and experimenting um, about AI, in, certainly in terms of suggestions, definitely those back office items that Angela spoke about and how do they become easier. I mean, they are incredibly complex items to do and AI or the fundamental technology behind AI really allows, I think, the future to be um, easier certainly be able to process a lot more data faster. Um, but we are definitely also looking at interfaces and how does AI affect, affect interfaces? What does it actually mean? What does a user's history actually mean for the, the interface they're using? 
right, should that interface change based on AI? So it is going reasonably deep to understand how ultimately, in our case, how do we create more listening minutes? Right. So what's going to keep a user on a platform and engage that user? Um, at a pure, you know, we, we've got a tech team at a pure coding level. We're seeing up to 30% efficiency by using AI in coding, you know, whether it's Copilot or other things that um, the team is using. We're using it in peer reviews. We're using it in understanding marketing funnels and how to work in that space. So. It's just really, I think where music intersects with AI is no different to the rest of, I guess, the world. It's almost, it's got the potential to intersect everywhere. I just don't know if we, or if what we have to learn yet to understand where it's best at. This makes me excited and scared at the same time, hearing all the cases. Where yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say why, because you like your eyes got wider and wider as this as this went on. Explain why. Well, it's the important. I, I think it's so important to have the human element in it, and especially in music. It's if you're looking at like the models that exist from Meta and Google, and what they're able to do is incredible. Like. I'm 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 afraid for a future where we won't have artists or like we just will have some artists that like feed in some new creative content, but mostly it's gonna be models spitting out the next Taylor Swift hit. Um because there's like the, the advancements have been so crazy, so good, it's incredible from a technological stand standpoint, but then from like a humane creative standpoint, I'm also like, where is this gonna go and how quickly are artists gonna be like cut out of the of the process? Uh, if 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 they will, I mean, yeah. You're nodding, Angela. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm thinking of it just putting my human hat on and not thinking about music for a minute. It's it is everywhere. And my mom and I were having this conversation. She's in early childhood development, and she's been taking these courses on kind of the new human and how our brain functionality and you know these younger generations are really going to have to you know, they're, they're, they're programmed in a different way. And so, yeah, just we're, think, we're thinking about it in the context of music and tech, but it can be a little overwhelming, I think, when we're thinking about our own mental health and the human connection and emotions. And that does translate into music, obviously, but there's kind of that human factor that, you know, we all want to, at least I would like to stay grounded in. Yeah, and I um, kind of to that end, you know, I, I get the feeling overwhelmed. I think probably a lot of people here do. And I think kind of to that end, I find a lot of solace and categorization. So I think it's important kind of as we're talking to distinguish between AI music and AI music powered experiences. So when it comes to AI music, let's start there. Um, what are you all thinking about? What does it mean for something to be AI music? Yeah, I mean, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> well, um, obviously it means means a lot of things, but I think what, what comes to mind or what people expect is this, this, this fake Drake song was the first big blow blow up of like a yeah generated track. Is everyone familiar with the fake Drake song? Yeah. Okay, cool. Continue. I mean, yeah, Drake, The Weeknd's... Drake's voice, the weekend's voice, was used to um, sing over this this track that someone someone created, and that obviously led to a lot of conversation uh, in the space. Like, what is okay, what is not okay, what is what is ethical, what is not not ethical. But as I just said, um, 
a minute ago, the, the models that are out there are so in incredible already. The question is just going to be, what are they going to be trained on? Because mm -hmm. the solution is not like, what, what, what can't really happen is that, well, what, what's probably not going to happen is that everything just gets scraped. Um, well, I mean, it is, that's what's being done, but uh, to, they need to be found a legal way to kind of, um, I guess, collaborate with the one, with the IP holders here. And I'm very curious to see where that conversation goes and where those deals, which deals are going to be made. There's already, there are already a bunch of things in place where UMG is kind of working with YouTube a little bit on figuring out like what's ethical use um, of, of AI um, on YouTube. But um, yeah, that's definitely, definitely super interesting what's happening. And I, I'm yeah, looking forward to seeing the, the collaborations that are going to be put in place here. Yeah, I mean, I guess when I think about AI music, I think it's really interesting that an entire track can be created using AI. So as you start to break apart the components, it's kind of like, is it the production? Is it like a sample? There's been some really interesting examples of, you know, piecing together like VHS or like audio cassette, you know, files and translating them into you know, digitized content and then, you know, layering those into a track, right, a new track. And I think the, this could be giving creators new life if it's operationalized well. Um, so I kind of think about, like, the percentage of the track and, like, is there a human element to it or not? Or is it purely created by AI technology, uh, you know, i.e. in this functional music case? So I think there's lots of variations, I guess, is what I'm saying, of AI music. Um, so it is going to get interesting to think about, you know, if there's policies around paying the original copyright holder, if this whole scrape the internet, like, are there going to be guardrails around what tech is okay, mm -hmm. you know, if you're integrated with and what tech is not okay? Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to take a different angle and say where's the opportunities for it, right? And... Um, and I, I think the jury's out whether a hit is going to be created on AI in the short term, longer term, and you know everyone's uh, everyone's goal and scariness is general intelligence rather than just artificial intelligence if it ever gets there, right? In in terms of that, but I think for me it is we get a lot of different companies that are approaching us that aren't just streaming, so they might be uh, med tech medical technologies, they might be um, background music services, gaming companies and things like that. And in those areas, then they perhaps aren't looking for the next hit. They're actually looking for specific elements of music that actually create a medical outcome. And they're going through clinical trials to do those sort of things. So that's really interesting because could AI music still maybe generated by an artist, but a, a, an artist tweaking that, create content for that industry. Is the music industry going to say stay the size it is at the moment, or are we going to go with most predictions that music's going to become more uh, deeper in all different parts of our lives? And then where does AI play a part in this role? So I think it can be a really defensive mindset to say, does this mean that there's less share that goes out to traditional labels? Or it can be a very much of an opportunity mindset 
And I think BGM's a great example, background music of that too. It's, fu it's functional music in some cases. In some cases, it's maybe a slightly more. But in, uh, in those cases, perhaps that's a really interesting candidate to be able to generate music that is specific for a mood or a theme, right? And, and we're obviously avoiding the whole question of how is it generated. Uh, obviously, Endel's doing it in a certain way, but there's lots of different companies out there. We always, like, we have, uh, have, to, have to add, we have a deal with Universal Music and with Warner Music, and Universal Music always called us the ethical AI company. Um, what and does that mean? Well, I mean, <laughs> it means that, like, we take a really collaborative approach, and um, that adds to bringing actually opportunities to um, to labels and artists to go into a space that they haven't been able to go into, not at scale at least before. Like we're very specialized in functional music. We only really know functional music really, really well. And we can take artists' content and create a functional version of their content for them. And yes, in theory, artists are able to do that. And I hear that sometimes, I hear that feedback sometimes from labels, like, oh, our artists can just do this. I'm like, good luck getting them to go to a studio and record a sleep album. It's not like it gets turned around uh, quickly and we can do this at scale. So it, it gives an opportunity to move into a space that they're not really, really in. And yeah, and we're ethical because we're not scraping it. Like our technology fundamentally cannot learn from Taylor Swift's music mm -hmm. because it's not scientifically made. Like it's not made for a specific function. Our technology is trained on hundreds of hours that our own in-house composers created mm -hmm. to train it. So that's what they mean by ethical. It's like it's everything is very collaborative. Uh, the artists have signed off on any and everything. And it's not, no one goes into like a, a chat window and says, make a um, focus track that sounds like, sounds like Taylor Swift. And we have mm -hmm. a bunch of people involved in the, in the whole process on our side as well. So it was, um, yeah, also lucky for us that like the market went where it went and there was a lot of pressure on the music side to do something. And we were kind of around already being like, hello, we've been here for a while. Like we've had this app for five years. We've been doing this, like come work with us. And then when the market was there, um, they had to move into something and we yeah, we were lucky that we've already been there kind of doing the same thing we've been doing like for many years. Um, yeah, and as I said, yeah, everything's super collaborative. So that's that's why it's ethical, I guess. You're nodding. Well, no, just agreeing. Uh -huh. I think it's interesting. So, you know, I, I'm thinking about this, as, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about this as a sort of nesting doll, the ones where you open it and there's another one inside. Um, so I'm gonna expand that out a little bit and we're gonna t open up another doll, if you will. Um, you know, music discovery, right? I know it's something that has been in, tied to AI for quite some time. What role does it have? What role does AI have in changing how we discover music and how granular can this really get? Khan? I think I think it's important to understand that AI in a discovery mechanism has been used for some time, right? Um, I mean, NVIDIA really started off by being able to provide the capability for companies like Facebook to provide feeds through their information and personalised feeds at scale, right? So it was about how to get that large data in there and then make it available uh, to be used in that particular way. Um, and I would suggest that the word AI is interesting at the moment and technically it's different, but um, you know, the suggestions of what someone's going to listen to have always been important. And 
not only important, they've been done. You know, mm -hmm. every music service is, is suggesting music in some way. Mm -hmm. I think what AI does, though, it does allow you to look at an enormous data set and be able to understand the connections between that data set and give people some really unique experiences. So I think there's, there's, there's an awesome place for AI to play a role within there. Right, and so for arguments like we're just uh, we're just starting to think about how does the data that we have in our data lake, which is the usage history of maybe one of our clients, start to actually form more of a role in what might be suggested to users or their music experience with that. Um, I mean, you can do it right now with genres and get a lot deeper than just genres, a whole bunch of other information to understand those cohorts. But, uh, but AI, I think, really sets itself as something able to do that. I think that's a bit of a journey. I think there's a, um, a discovery process around ethical use of, which is the, the often question, I'm not sure if we'll come back to that later, Ali, to understand that. Um, cool. we, I, I, assure, I assure you, we will be there for a while. We'll, um, we'll come back. But I do want to focus on the experience part of this for a second, because I'd actually be really curious. Is there a specific example you have of something that wasn't possible before, but now is? I think in experiments, you can certainly use um, experimental models to actually throw clear text at something and actually mm -hmm. get back lists of songs that make sense to play mm -hmm. to someone. Mm -hmm. Right, and that is available instantly. People could do it right now by using mm -hmm. their prompt uh, on there. And I don't think that's ever been available mm -hmm. to the general public before. Mm -hmm. The question is, how does it now play a role within a platform and, uh, and you know, get cleared to be able to be used and those sort of things. But outside of that, I think that the availability that you can ask a prompt I am driving down the beach on 22. I've got the convertible down. I just feel like going rogue. Give me a playlist. You're going to get an answer right now. If you haven't tried it, try it. You're going to get an answer right now. And that hasn't existed previously. So how does that get translated within a service that actually makes sense for a user? Because now it's all based on a bunch of context that you can add into that process. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it already in different types of platforms, right? It's like my morning commute or, you know, these these technologies where it's kind of like gets to know you based on your user behavior, kind of serves you things up. So I think it's just escalated where it's getting better and better and better. And I think we're also gonna see it on um, like adjacent, music adjacent platforms when we start talking about fans and artists and data, you know, and connecting the dots for experiences that are not only just audio experiences, but also these fan connection experiences. I, sorry. I have to say, I don't, I don't think it's getting better. I think it's getting worse. I think it's really? getting crowded. Like, I, I think Spotify is unusable. I'm sorry, no offense. Like, I've been and I've been paying for Spotify for 12 years. Like, I use it, right? But I, going I, for I it, hate I love lo it. I hate love it. Like, it's it has all the music, but I can find anything that I want to listen to. Um, and so, oh, if everyone who's a parent, which I'm not, but has yes. probably made the experience that they just put on white noise or whatever for their kids to fall asleep to, and then all your algorithm is, is messed up. But it, so, but isn't the point of it getting better the fact that 
you don't have to think about it anymore. Because, like, for me, any service, I'm not going to name any names, but, like, any service, I find myself being, like, what do I want to listen to? And so I guess I'm, yeah, I'm curious. Maybe I just, like, maybe I just don't get surfed. Like, I just don't get surfed what I want to listen to. And so I listen to the same playlists that I know that are good that I've made myself. And I feel like that's not, that's not really the point. I, yeah, I've been at it with a bunch of people at Spotify about, like, where's my (laughs) chat GPT inside Spotify that I can just type in? I want this, this, and this, and it makes me a playlist. I don't need, I don't need someone serving me something um, that, yeah, I'll, at least, I don't think it works. I don't think it works really but, well in regards isn't, to it. Isn't that the opportunity that it should know about you, that yeah. you are broader in your music discovery and the interface and the music that you serve change? Now, whether that is a big dial on your screen that you say, I just want a wider music selection, I want to discover more or I want to be more narrow in the time, or does it understand that more about you? I do think that there's the opportunity with this technology to get so much better at being able to do that, right? Uh, And I do agree with you. I think right now it's really easy to stay in this such a narrow lane, Mm -hmm. right? That doesn't tremendously change for me whether it's a Friday night or whether it's a Monday morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it's going to offer me a go-to-work thing, but Mm -hmm. it thinks my musical tastes are the same. Mm -hmm. But are they the same? I'd argue that they're not, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Well, is... Well, kind of to that end, is the problem that it's prescriptive or that it's prescriptive and bad? If it was prescriptive and good, would those kind of recommendations work? I mean, they should. They have all the data. I, I actually really don't understand why it doesn't work. And I, yeah, I'm telling you, I've had this conversation with a bunch of people at Spotify. I'm sure Tidal is way better, so maybe I should just <laughs> like stop using that other service. But I, yeah, they have all my data. They should know. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned chatbots. Um, this AI craze was kicked off with the so-called ChatGPT moment. It sounds like you guys do believe there is a role for chatbots in AI and music. Well, I think at the end of the day, AI is really just a prediction of the next token or whatever it's doing in behind the scenes. So in most cases, that's been the next word that's being provided and people are converting even images to text and then understanding those from that traditional AI approach. So it's still very textual in the way that we think about it. I do think that – I absolutely think that chatbots have a role. Um, I do – I think there's a lot of way, there's a lot of knowledge that you don't need a human on the other side of it that you can assist someone with and you can get really good at doing that. How good is that intelligence? I think the early chatbots were pretty poor, right? And then we saw quite a jump with ChatGBT. And I think that's been the bit of the wow moment for people that they sort of saw this pretty poor website experience (laughs) with a chatbot that really didn't tell you anything except someone's going to call you, Mm -hmm. uh, through to something that now actually interacts with you and responds. Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely have a place. I think, you know, um, for those who don't know me, I moved to Nashville two years ago, and so I'm very passionate about supporting, you know, independent musicians and songwriters, and one of the things I hear a lot is just that they're overwhelmed by everything that they have to do. So I guess I think of it not only just in the creative context, but also in the operational context, again, for creators. So, 
you know, if there's ways for them to be more efficient to figure out, or they're, or they're stumped on like album artwork, or, you know, they need a, they're in a session, they need something to generate some inspiration or, or spark something. I don't think there's anything wrong as long as that hasn't been trained on previously copyrighted material, right? So I think that's kind of the line, in my opinion. But I think creators need all the tools that they can in order to be successful. Um, I, you, they have to free up their time so they can create. And, you know, I hope that these, these tools help them. Yeah, and, and it's interesting about the material too, and I totally agree on the copyrighted material. I think the interesting area is, though, opinion. And should opinion be part of a base model and is there a problem with opinion being but I, I don't see that but I guess it's an open question that really I'm sure uh, would have a lot of debate because ultimately it's people's opinions that perhaps are forming if we go back to recommendations what might be recommended sure there's an understanding something of the music but if you understand enough about people's opinions then you actually start to get an understanding of what they want to do as well so there's quite a different way a few different ways i think to think about the problem and attack it Marina? No, sorry, I was going to take a different direction. Oh, no, totally. <laughs> totally fine. Well, for what it's worth, we have now gotten to the humans and ethics portion of this. Con, per your request, the rest of the time, that is what we are talking about. Just for you. I'm sure no one else is interested. Um, I want to start with teenagers. What role do teenagers have to play here? Um, well, I can speak to being a mom of a 12-year-old and watching these... Oh, my God, 12? Yeah, it's frightening. Um, and I know there's other parents in the room, and some have children younger than me, and I feel like, you know, at least mine, I'm kind of seeing the technology develop. I think people who are younger, it's going to get even crazier. Um, but I think they play a gigantic role. I think when we think about music and tech intersection, obviously there's the UGC content, there's monetization opportunities around that, and the intersection of how AI can you know, serve them up recommendations and they can engage and interact with it. So I think, like, they're the biggest UGC users, probably. Um, I also, though, think what's really interesting is teenagers are going to be overly critical, right? So <laughs> this role of, is AI music good music? Mm -hmm. Like, they're going to be the tastemakers mm -hmm. in this case. And I think that even though... They're going to be really interested in the technology aspect because for them it's kind of like instant grat. It's like how quick, you know, and if they're creators especially, like how quick can we turn something out and like, you know, they're going to whip through all of this tech craze. But at the same time, at the end of the day, if the music's not good, they're going to be hypercritical. Mm -hmm. So I think they're going to be like have a major impact not only on the output, like the creative product, but also the process and you know how they how they engage with the content. Anything to add, guys? I mean, they also if you go on YouTube and you search for any like AI music, there's so much up there, right? There's still mm -hmm. the Drake fake we mentioned, or fake Drake we mentioned is up there. There's like Frank Sinatra singing. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. Get low <laughs> lyrics. And the fake Drake, the Drake fake. <laughs> um, but a lot of it, like. The, Younger, the younger generation, like all the teens are also the early adopters of all these these tools. I think a lot of the content that was created very early is like kids on Discord. And um, it's it's quite interesting. Like it's that's because yeah, they, they jump on these trends, but they're also like super critical if it's if it's not good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would, would really agree. Um, 
And I think we mentioned earlier, it's sometimes not just music, but other forms of audio. So we power a service in Germany that is the an audio children's audio book service, right? Uh, really for say three year olds through to about nine year olds or so, and. Uh, it's the same concept in there. How what what's the experience for these people for these children in an audio book scenario uh, for these very young group? I think as they're teenagers, I do think it's more community driven and what that community is doing. And I do think there's re- it'll be interesting to see how it does impact the creative process and if there starts to be opportunities in UGC platforms that. There's probably a whole licensing piece that has to occur there, but what are the opportunities to actually create, to have more creativity in that space? And the last thing I was just thinking too, like they're going to want, regardless, even if there's AI music out there and they're interacting with it, at the end of the day, they still want that human emotional connection. So I think about live experiences, Mm -hmm. right? Like these are the ones that are disappointed that they can't get the Taylor Swift concert tickets for $400. Like, you know, it's like, mom. Only $400? Yeah, there's, she's like, get me a ticket. I'm like, no, I'm not spending that amount of money. But the point is, like, she doesn't want to listen to a fake Taylor Swift song. She wants to listen to the real one and go see Taylor Swift in concert. Do you think there's we an opportunity? and yet. <laughs> Same. Do it's another that, topic. Do you think there's an opportunity in places like Japan where there's this concept of VTubers, right, mm-hmm. that really don't have... I'm, I'm not going to say that... I'm, I, I was going to say don't have a personality. They certainly do have a personality, but they don't have an image that they show. I think that's a really interesting one to say, does AI potentially play a role? Because there's markets where it isn't that person that you see. Does that lend itself to be a highly experimental market first to actually understand if it gets biked? I feel like that, I mean, that market is always early and first on those things. So that is interesting. Well, and it seems like teenagers are interested in authenticity and it being good. Um, And kind of to that end, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, who are also interested at least in it being sellable, are the majors, right? So what role do the majors have to play in this conversation? I think ultimately, (laughs) I mean... yeah, I mean, we, we obviously see what's happening in the market and uh, various uh, lawsuits and other things that are out there. So it's a, it's a high, highly, um, I guess, current topic um, without a lot of clarity there. Obviously, um, the majors play a huge role here because they do set a lot of the dialogue that can occur in... a number of services and most of the larger ones, right? There's um, there's experimentation that probably you can do in some services where uh, people own 360-degree deals and they're niche services and they're definitely interesting to experiment with, but I do think ultimately that there's that question that I think is the same question that most people have, which is are you allowed to use what I perceive as my data, mm-hmm. right? And that's probably the million-dollar question. And I think we've probably got the same question here sometimes because we're saying, does an organisation, can they profit on my data if I haven't allowed them to do that, mm-hmm. right? 
you allow TikTok to profit on your data because you've probably accepted the user agreement on that process, but maybe you don't want data that you haven't made publicly available in that particular way to do that. So I do think they're setting that um, that dialogue, and and I think it's a valid point, right, in there. Yeah, so, so diplomatic. Well, I, 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 I was I expecting do, something completely different. No, no, no. And I do think technology is playing a role in how. I mean, let's tackle that later. But just how that question can maybe get resolved in the future, because there's been some really interesting things coming out recently. No, no. I, 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 how how are you going to have a service in the market that doesn't have the content? that the teenagers want. I don't think that's practical, yeah. mm. but it's how to find that right balance mm. between engaging users, allowing them creativity, and doing it in a way that um, that everyone who owns the music comes along for the ride. Um, no, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you're saying, and I, and I think because they're in a position to sort of set the tone, I'm glad that we're seeing it unfold now. Mm -hmm. I don't think we can wait, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. the tech has gone, the ship has sailed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I want to see what happens. I think, unfortunately, like the lawsuit you mentioned, I'm sure that's yeah. going to take a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But at least there's a stance out there. And, you know, I whether I agree with it or not is a whole nother yeah you know, a whole nother panel. <laughs> but um, I think you're right. Like, they're in the position to set the tone and we, you know, we have to... I mean, let's be real. As people who work in music tech at a music tech conference, like, if we're wanting to be innovative, we want to, you know, kind of disrupt, we want to, like, move forward, we're going to have to have those debates, you know, and we're going to have to be really open about it and we're going to have to figure out what makes sense. And, I mean, to be totally candid, like, with the majors, I feel like on one hand you know, there's a lawsuit over a specific piece of tech because of, you know, yeah. the lyrics and the scraping. On the other hand, it's like they're partnering with your company, right, to get into the business of functional music. So, you know, I think it's kind of like uh, we have to have those open conversations with them and figure out how we make it work for everyone. Yeah, I mean, they can make or break a company like ours, right? Like if we like we need these deals like a company like Endo, we can't make what we make. We can't make artist driven functional music without the artists. A lot of the artist content sits with the majors. So for like I'm super grateful to UMG that they like signed this deal with us when they did before it was as on trend maybe as it is now. And you can't imagine what happened to our inbox and what doors doors open for us mm -hmm. after that happened so like people like to talk shit about majors all the time i know but it's it's they they hold the ip and if they're bold enough to like move into a certain direction um they can yeah make or break like certain certain yeah, companies like us for example so for us it's a very positive thing and um, that we're able to yeah to, to collaborate but I'm always, yeah, I'm just so curious to see, like, who's going to partner with who because it's kind of the stamp of approval. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, if, like, oh, this, this big IP holder um, partners with this tech company, that's, that's what, so they're going to be in, in bed together and, like, trying to make, make something work in the space. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just watching everything, like, very curiously, like, who's going who's gonna to do what next in this, like, space. And we've been talking about this for a long time. And it's like, now it's just here. And so everyone's kind of just, like, waiting to see you know, who's going to make what moves. But 
I think it, I mean, I really do think it could be a positive thing. It's just kind of figuring out how to incorporate and have wins for everyone across the board. And on that optimistic note, we'll end here because I want to send you all to lunch. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know we do free monthly online events that you, our lovely podcast listeners, can join? Find out more at musictectonics.com. And while you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference and sign up for our newsletter to get updates. Everything we do explores the seismic shifts that shake up music and technology, the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. That's my favorite platform. Connect with me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it. We'll be back again next week, if not sooner. You're listening to Music Tectonics.